to Movie Movie, the movie podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, one of my favorite filmmakers and a movie of his that I haven't seen before, Mr. John Carpenter's They Live. They Live. Boom. The movie that is famous uh, for a couple things. Uh, one, it is uh, one of the more successful attempts at having a professional wrestler g- become the star of your film. Yeah, successful you know, enough. What I like, though, is that this is this is one where it's not just like you know, a zany thing where it's like, what if a wrestler had to babysit yeah. kids? This is just that he happens to be a wrestler, so mm-hmm. we're going to use his wrestling skills. Uh, the second thing it's it's notable for is I've come to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Yep. And the third thing is, of course, what eventually became Cripple Fight on South Park, the put-on-the-damn-glasses fight. Yes. We'll get to all of this shortly. Yes. Uh, if you listen to our show, you've probably seen or at least aware of They Live, mm-hmm. but... um. If not, you know, we are going to spoil it, but honestly, I don't think there's anything spoilable. No, no. Generally, no. I mean, it's and just... I think it's a pretty yeah. findable, gettable movie. It's uh, on Netflix. Yeah, it's easy to rent, I believe. I think it is on Netflix, it actually. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's easy to rent. Uh, so uh, definitely take a, uh, take a look at it. Uh, you probably don't need to, as you said, before listening to this, but... Uh, mm. Before we jump into it, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out to I like to for coming out to Movie Movie Live. Yes, uh, yes, which is a different thing than I like to Movie Movie. Uh, movie Movie Live, uh, the January edition was uh, we did an all Quentin Tarantino live show, mm-hmm. and we had a, a shitload of people show up, and they were excited. They were fun. Uh, Team Camera took home the prizes this time. Uh, we had a great panel. It was fun. It was Team great. Lights. Uh, Step it up next time. Yeah, bring uh, bring a ringer. No you one said a word. Yeah, a word. All it was was just Jeff Jackson laughing. Which thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And um, that was that was beautiful. But but, uh, yes. Dead uh, silent. We had a we had a great time this month, and we're excited to do it again next month. We're going to keep doing it as a double bill with Curses, which is another great game show that came right after ours and was super fun again. Uh, and uh, I think we can probably announce that next month we're going to do Oscar movies. Oscar movies, uh, and it and is what's mean, the the date? Uh, the date is the twelfth. I the twelfth. Okay, so just so you guys know, we always say third Thursday. It's now the second Thursday. Second Thursday. Um, so that's going to be pretty much the deal henceforth. Henceforth. Uh, so February twelfth yes, is it? Yep. February twelfth. And yeah, so it's it's Oscar movies, but it's not it's not this year's Oscar movies exclusively. It's just Oscar history and stuff yes. like that. I mean, as you know from our shows, it's very rare that you need to actually know anything. So yes. you know, the Tarantino one, perhaps most of all, was the one where you needed to know stuff. Yeah, but uh, luckily, Team but Camera had, had a ton Scott. Of fun. It was really yeah. fun and funny. Uh, it was it was a great show. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to thank people for coming out to that. This was such a great one this month. Absolutely, and, uh, hope we can build to another good one next month. Uh, but let's launch into They Live. Uh, John Carpenter is one of my favorite filmmakers. The th- uh, The Thing is in my top five, I always say. I couldn't tell I think you they're doing where. a screening of The Thing at the Roxy coming up sometime in the next couple weeks. You're going to have to look that uh, up online. It's like a midnight one. There's that and Let the Right One In they're doing. Oh, I pretty would cool. love to see Let the uh, Right One In on a big screen. That's a beautiful uh, movie. Um, uh, but I, I, he, The Thing, I always say, is in my top five. I, I love that movie. Uh, I, I Assault on Precinct 13 is is a favorite of mine. Halloween is is you know one of the... We've done that on the show. We've done the thing on the show as well. Yeah, actually. yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Carpenter might be our one of our most go-to oh, filmmakers. It turns out he's one of those filmmakers that I think is uh, he's how should I put it? It's it's easy to pigeonhole him into you know horror or sci-fi or stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I I think that the only genre that I would feel comfortable putting him in is like. 
He's like a he's like a survivor man kind of thing. Like it, it just <laughs> seems as if if we just threw John Carpenter into a room and was just like, listen, this is all you have. Yeah. Can you put a movie together? He would put one together cheaply, quickly, and effectively. And I think all of his movies speak to that. And it's only by by you know sheer proxy that that he happens to work in horror and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's just because. You know, to hear him tell it with Halloween, that was just a script that fell into his lap. And he said, oh, I can probably do this cheaply. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it was, he's the horror master. Yeah. But if you look at his filmography, I mean, it, there there are things that are, I guess, out of that wheelhouse. Oh, there are, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and, you know, most of all, it's just he's he's a good filmmaker because he works creatively and cheaply. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's which is, so good. Makes his movies so fun. I mean, the, I, I feel like... He he is as clo- like he is as close to the way I conceive of this definition of this nebulous term movie movie as I can think right oh. like he he just does all these like wild things to to get a story on screen you know he'll do whatever it takes well if you look at his scripts I mean none of them are beefy by any any you know stretch of the terms they're really simple there's one liners there's hokiness yeah some of them aren't even that good like oh, as yeah. far as that goes you Assault know? on Precinct 13 has like no script the no, only yeah. part that really requires a script is when they, they do like the the gang seems to have taken a blood oath what it, does that mean it means they won't stop it's really just an excuse for us to kill them mercilessly <laughs> and it's just explained away in a blink yeah. action yeah. and then we start blowing people away and that's fine, you know, because it is fine. that movie's great. Where I his love that skill movie. is, is it comes from being a movie movie, using mm-hmm. the 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 medium of movie to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the example for this, I think, with uh, with They Live, when you hire Rowdy Roddy Piper mm-hmm. as your lead actor, I don't know if that's necessarily a put you know put uh, asses in seats move. Right. You know, it it is in a way because at this time he was a wrestling star, sure. but. You know, this was a time when, like I said, it was novelty to use a wrestler, mm-hmm. or he was a you know beefy dude in the background of an established action franchise or something. But he leaned it on this guy, and so as we all know, with the put on the glasses fight scene, it's this hugely wrestling inspired fight yes. scene. It's and sort to of me, slow and methodical in the way wrestling exactly, is. Yeah. and it uses his skills. And to me, that's John Carpenter just obtaining value for whatever price he paid to have Roddy Piper in his movie. Yep. He was like, "Well, we've got a wrestler. We should probably write a scene that's." 15 minutes of wrestling you know and and it's fine you know that's cool that to me that's a hugely entertaining scene it's It's totally ridiculous and and not realistic but that's not where that's not the game we're playing no 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 no. and so he used his star fully he he throws you know he says oh we have a wrestler he's good at stunts we better throw him through a plate glass window and down a mountain because he can do that so we might as well get it Uh, yeah Uh, and and he'll you know he'll take a punch in a way that is maybe not believable but really entertaining oh and so this is a movie where the action hero takes a shit ton of punches punches. because that's just I one mean, of his it, skills. It derives a ton of comedy from a great scene of the two of them post-fight scene going to a hotel oh, and yeah, having yeah. to rent a room and just slowly walking through the halls. And kudos to Carpenter for having battle damage last. Yes, yes. That's something you never see anymore where yep. someone gets destroyed and then it's like watching, you know, Elmer Fudd. Yeah, he gets yeah. shot in the face. He's covered in ash and blown to pits and then cut away. He's back to normal. Mm-hmm. Itchy and scratchy. <laughs> Itchy and scratchy. Uh, it, I you this movie was like you you commented before we started it you were like oh wait do you see the way it handles its themes it just like oh, yeah. beats you over the head with them murders you with them brings you back to life just whereas to some mo- well the the way the way I want to put it is some movies are deemed good by being restrained and allowing you to find out what the theme is and and learn a lesson naturally 
the movies that we consider bad beat you over the head with it, and they're just on the nose. Yeah. He took the opposite approach and just went f- further than that uh-huh. and beats you over the head with it, throws you in the ocean, you know, brings you to the point of drowning, lifts you up, resuscitates you, and just keeps doing it until you're like, I get it! Yeah. And that works, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. It's very, it's like hilarious the way the, the sort of themes play out in this because the script itself doesn't do a whole lot of work to get you there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, most of the themes are delivered through visuals, uh, really. The money, when they put on the glasses, literally says, I am your God. Yeah, like, that yeah. is so fucking on the nose, it's ridiculous. I know, yeah. But if it wasn't like that, it wouldn't work. Right, you know, exactly, It totally yeah. fits the, the world. It, it, it's, uh, like, we. so we were um, we were discussing before we, we, we recorded, we were curious, because uh, we, we sort of noticed that at the beginning of the movie, Car- Carpenter's name isn't on the script. But it certainly sounds like a Carpenter oh, script. It's Frank Armitage is yes. on the script, yes. Uh, and then I was like, I, I thought I saw on IMDb that he wrote it, though. And so we took a look, and it turns out Fred Armitage is a, is a pseudonym. Oh, you just us. you just mixed Fred Armisen with Frank Armitage. Frank Armitage. <laughs> uh, this movie is, was written by Fred Armisen. That is 100% what I did. Who who, who knew that, that John Carpenter is actually a Fred Armisen character? What, would the, what honestly, would the Portlandia would sketch version of this movie oh, be? God. Like, when they put the glasses on, what would everybody in Portland look like? You'd what everyone looks like without their beards, inc- <laughs> yeah. including the women. Uh, so, yeah, they just. Uh, when I put these glasses on, no one's wearing a winter hat in summer. <laughs> wow. Uh, the uh, but it's I, called they love. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, that's spot on. The, I lost I'm my sorry, train of I thought. It's you okay. With no, shit. I derailed it. Really, I, I decided to investigate that. Uh, the, oh, his name wasn't on it, and so we looked it up, and it turns out he, you know, he didn't want to put his name on it for a variety of reasons that were, mm-hmm. you know, kind of interesting. It's based on a book which is has a comic adaptation. It was a short apparently. story. A short story. Yeah. It's like a comic book adaptation. He's sort of based on all of these things, but it, it, I don't know. It was like it was so funny to me watching it, listening to it, and going like, man, this thing like barely sort of has like all the dialogue is these weird machismo one-liners. The characters barely explain like what the like anytime he's trying to explain what he's seeing through the sunglasses, he's not. He's just screaming like they're in control. Put on the glasses. Oh, Take yeah, yeah. a look. He sounds like a crazy man. Yeah. And what's funny is it's weird maybe this is a limitation of Roddy Piper's range. Maybe it's just a limitation in the script or some, you know, mix of all of it. But there's a point at the beginning where he, they f- he first sees the glasses, and of course his natural reaction is just kill everything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was very he explains to it me. to people where he's just like, like they're like, oh, what are you doing? And he's just like, when I put the glasses on, she's ugly. Yeah. And when I put when I take them off, she's normal looking. Yeah. It's like we're gonna need a little more than that to work with before we pick up a gun and uh, start having a rampage. But he doesn't. He never gets there. Yeah. It's just kind of the way it is. It's uh, well, and I did really, you know, you just pointed something out that I think is very funny now. Uh, thinking about it, the ending of this movie is very funny. Not to jump right there, but it, it's got a very funny ending. And I just realized part of what's so funny about the ending is he does. Roddy Piper spends a lot of time trying to convince people how ugly everyone looks. Oh yeah, uh, all of these like other creatures look how ugly they are without ever explaining anything else about it. Uh, and then at the end, the joke is once their signal is killed. Everyone can actually see them for what they are, and they are truly ugly, and women start realizing they're having sex with these ugly things, uh, which is sort of the final punchline of it. 
And I'm realizing now, like, how funny that actually is that, like, the ultimate, like, sort of all of this setup about consumerism uh, and how the world is sort of like we're being run by this overlording dollar. Mm. Uh, all at the end of the day, all that plotline serves is for a punchline at the end of, like, Haha, look at how ugly they are. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. horrifying. But I mean, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But he does succeed in the mission. Absolutely. You know, and, and so the, the denouement actually happens after the credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just chose to end on that mm-hmm. punchy note. Uh, I, I think it's cheap to say that it all led up to that oh, because course. he does yeah, do yeah. it. But at the end of the day, like that's that's what I mean by his messages. Like mm-hmm. he beats you with this message, and then at the very end, it's just like nerd dick joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so it it. But I love that about it because you leave not on a note of like hmm, I'm gonna think about that. Right. You leave on a note of like oh that was crazy. Yeah. But you are thinking about it Absolutely. as opposed to you know just forcing yourself it to it gets to like it gets to be a movie and have fun being a movie mm-hmm. without being stupid necessarily right mm-hmm. like it does have something to say now we could i'm sure people might make arguments that like what it's it has a to broad say, thing it's, it's saying pretty though. Broad. it's yeah. not you know it's not anything specifically pointed at one issue 100 it's just the whole idea of like you know there's a bigger world that controls you and we are just puppets in mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and uh but there's things that that we you know there's evidence of how we feed into it money entertainment yeah. blah blah it's so broad it's like a muse song Absolutely. where it's just like we are protesting protesting what they can't stop us who them you know? and it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. okay fine which i mean th- it's called they live and they yeah. do spend the whole time just calling them they there is oh, really yeah. no other explanation of them you know i, yeah. I guess you do get to well, I mean, see it's some pretty interdimensional easy to go to space, travel yeah. uh, towards the end uh, but it, it is, it, although that's the case, I do think it's interesting that it does get to say something and still be a fun movie, right? Oh, like absolutely. It, it doesn't have to be so heavy-handed. It still gets to say something and have a message. And I truly think that, like, although, yes, it's very broad and, and, and uh, it, it is an easy message to illustrate, I think it's important to Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I'd say it's done effectively enough. I think you know, so. It makes you think about it. Yeah, well, we talked I mean, it's the a, whole time. It's an entertainment movie first yes. is the thing. And that's yes. the, uh, the goal of this movie was to be entertaining. 100%. The message that comes across is just icing on the cake, really. Yeah. And, like, that, and I think that's the way to do it. When you make a movie where the message is the movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then the movie sucks. Yeah. You know, so that, it's, it's an interesting way to do it, especially especially on such a limited budget. I think so. And like I it well, and I mean the limited budget if you want to talk about that. I mean there was some really fun just like filmmaking here on display. We talked a lot about when they get to that portal at the end. Oh yeah. yeah. The portal is just like a light flashes. We just cut to someone's facial reaction to the well, light. But let's before we get into any technicality, just in case you're one of the audience members yeah. that didn't want to watch this oh, movie sure, yeah. and didn't. Let's go really quick just through what is happening. Mm-hmm. So Rowdy Rowdy Piper plays Nada, as we've discovered in the cr- closing Nada. credits. Nada is uh, a completely backgroundless until much later uh, drifter yep. who seems to believe in the... the he's not he's no one. He's nobody. He's not, and he's but he believes in the the American, uh, you know, ideal, the the hard man, work yeah, hard, get what say? you earn. He said, "I believe in America. I follow the rules." Yeah, I follow the rules. I pay my taxes. Blah blah yeah. blah. But he's just he kind of pops up in this town, finds some construction work, yep. and uh, meets uh, Keith David, his mm-hmm. friend. And uh, lo and behold, slowly evidence starts coming out that there's something bigger happening. Mm-hmm. Um, he discovers a group of people who have invented these sunglasses that allow you to see beyond a signal that is blinding everybody to what is really happening. Yes. And so as a result, he is able to see which people aren't actual people and are some sort of invader. 
and what is really going on on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, as we said before, when you look at money instead of the print, you just see uh, this is your god. Yes. Uh, all, the, all the billboards are like consume, buy, a- sleep, a- obey, watch TV, yeah. obey, you know, uh, no imagination. So mm-hmm. it, that's what you see. And yeah. so there's the movie is now that he's woken up, yep. he needs to, with this movement of people who have quote unquote woken up, spread the word without yep. getting caught. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they have this man who can blow people away, yeah. dodge bullets, and fist fight relentlessly. Yes. And uh, yeah, the um, the thing that I liked, I think, was the because you just reminded me that what I wanted to 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 get to with it is is the the theme of it is very current still. Like mm-hmm. even though it's very broad, and maybe that's why it's very broad. So like we kept talking the whole time that like the movie ends up being like just as sort of uh, prescient today, I think, as it ever was. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it sort of like comments just as much on what's happening now as it did 25 years ago when it was made. I would actually like to see that a modern version that just involves the modern technology. Yeah. Imagine putting on the glasses and looking at your phone and looking at the internet and looking oh, at your iPad man. and reading yeah. Twitter and doing all that. I mean, it's not worth making a whole new movie about. It. It's certainly not worth selling the name of They Live. But that's true, that's the true. point being made is that you know there, there are that issue is always going to be around yeah. is who's in control, yeah. you know, uh, do your possessions own you? Do mm-hmm. you own them? Are you part of the rat race because mm-hmm. it's what you want or mm-hmm. it's because you were conditioned? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's just, I, I think to the general most broad term I can put it, and it actually covers almost every social issue that we have today is just societal conditioning. Yes. You yeah. know, that is 100% at the root of every issue that has been a hot button issue in the last yep. few years is just societal conditioning. Mm-hmm. What is it that you are, you know, bred almost to think and feel right. and how do you buck that? And so, yeah, so it's totally, uh, it's relevant now as it was then. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I know consumerism more, you know, to be more literal about it was, and I don't know enough about the Reaganomics of the 80s, right, but around right. that time there was the big, you know, the post-60s, uh, you know, free love movement turned into, okay, no, we've got to, you know, all the hippies had kids and mm-hmm. they were like, our parents are awful. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's a bunch get, of Alex you know, P. it's Keaton's. business. Yeah. Exactly. And so then that, that whole thing, you know, h- how much... How much humanity can be in, in consumerism is the question. And right. So this is just one of those. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's uh, almost an interesting companion piece to like Nightcrawler or something, right? Oh, like yeah. It's, well, uh, I was thinking like one of the big things people say about Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and we yes. talked about that, is, oh, this is about communism. Mm-hmm. And the author of the book it's based on said, no, it's not. It is. But I didn't write it going, I'm going to make a parable about communism. Right. It's just that's what was scary at the time, mm-hmm. so it informed my fiction whether I knew it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, with uh, the author of Wizard of Oz did that. They're like, right. oh, this represents this, this represents that. And he said, oh, you know, that's the, the world's pressures are on that, but... No, it, I just wanted to write a crazy story, yeah. as evidenced by the 50 other Oz books. <laughs> but it's it's one of those where this one, I think, is a little bit more than that, where, of course, your movies are going to speak to whatever issues were prominent in the consumerism era of the 80s. Sure. But at the same time, this one is actually trying to literally make a statement about it. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's broad and specific, mm-hmm. but it's cool. Yeah, you know, it, it works. And what do you? I mean, the and I guess the statement it's trying. What is the statement it's well, trying the thing is to make? They don't make, even show really. you who the president yeah. is because the only time we see the president is when uh, Rowdy 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 Piper sees the president making a speech on TV through the glasses. Through the glasses, yeah. And he says like, ah, figures this is the way it would go down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think there there is almost a joke where it could be interpreted literally as like, oh, there's Reagan. 
But it also could just be interpreted as like the political machine, man. They yeah. they're owned, you know. Hey, I mean, again, what a what a smart choice on his part. We're we're sitting here talking about how this movie still holds up and actually oh, yeah. speaks to what's happening I right think one now. One of the best things you can do in any movie that has the president is don't show the president hey, because then choice. you make it just a you extend the life of your movie a yeah. little bit more. No matter what president it is, this movie still makes sense, right? Yeah. We, <laughs> Someone believes that the president's yep. an alien, no yep. matter who it is. I yep. don't care if it's yeah if it's the best president in the world. Someone hates him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is uh, sort of an exploration of everybody's lizard people theory, right? That Absolutely. there's just this uber race that's uh, helping a, a small percentage of people along, right? The power elite. Yep. yep. And and the other thing too, like even nowadays, where it's like, okay, we've proven that the government does watch even our most minuscule actions very, very specifically, mm-hmm. and like we now know that, so it's even more believable to just yeah. be like, yeah, that you know. Even though the the government, like when I look at the president, I wouldn't think like, oh, he's this this overlord evil guy. Right. But at the same time, it's like when I look at politicians as a mm-hmm. whole, they're not humans to me. They're of a different right. breed. Right. Um, we we breathe different air, at least when it terms you know in terms of how we think and what we do. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a good or bad thing, I'm not making a judgment. Mm-hmm. It's just that when you the powers that be that run this world, where I'm at from the plebe perspective, yeah. like I don't understand that. Yeah. You know, and that's. Partially my fault, but partially like that's the system. Yeah, and so this condemns, I think, that too. Where, you know, the, the, a lot of the cops in this movie were were uh, aliens and all yeah. that. Yeah, and even now, you know, we should see a cop on the street and go, "Oh, I feel safe." But for a lot of people, that's completely the opposite of what's mm-hmm. true, mm-hmm. and it's not a baseless fear. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's looking at these people in authority and going, "Are they one of us?" Right. Or are they something more sinister? I actually thought that and was... that is so powerful today. You know, maybe even more so than then. I th- yeah, that actually really struck me. There's a shot in the movie where he is looking around at different people with the glasses on and realizing, like, oh, some people are these freaks and some people are people. And at one point, he oh, and this is he has just he's figured it out, right? He's just figured it out. Some people are freaks, some people are people, and immediately decides, fuck it, grabs a gun and starts yeah. murdering these. Let's start killing the creeps, right? Yeah. So he's like killing. <laughs> the creeps and so as he's on this murder spree of creeps he comes across a cop now he's already been chased by a few cops that he saw were creeps right like we already Mm -hmm. know that for sure and he sees a cop and realizes that cop is a human and he has a moment where he has to dress this cop down and realizes this cop still wants to capture him and hurt him the same way the other ones do oh yeah because it's his job because it's his job yeah but he's a human right Mm -hmm. he's just obeying quote unquote you know uh and, and whether and whether he knows he's obeying the the overlords or just his boss is completely up in the air exactly and irrelevant and i you think know, that's, that's what, the point yeah. and that's the point i think that's what piper has to come to terms with piper nada i guess is his yeah not i'm gonna to call him rowdy rowdy piper yeah. every single time uh, that's it's, what he has to come to terms with in that moment i think and so you actually get it especially with the current climate around cops right now like i thought that was actually a really powerful moment and i mean it may not have been intended to be in the same context or it was whatever, intended to have some effect i mean that's a scene in, in of itself for you know? sure yeah. in today's context i thought it was really powerful actually the idea of having to look a police officer in the face and be like how do I feel about you? Do oh, I yeah, trust yeah. you? Do are you here? Are you to here to help me, me, hassle me, or yeah. hurt me? You know. Yeah. Luckily for me, you know, I'm of the type where I'm never afraid that they're going to hurt me. Right. But I'm still always afraid, like they're going to hassle me uh-huh. and they're going to be awful about yeah. it. Yeah. And it, and it's not right. But sadly, in any of those situations, the best thing to do is like your best option is just go with it and figure it out later. You know, just mm-hmm. go with it, do what they say, and like. That's not right, yeah. and I think that this condemns that attitude. Yeah, you know the whole if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yep. It condemns that attitude, and I think that's a huge uh, 
you know, that that condemnation gets thrown around a lot today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, especially, I mean, therein lies the whole uh, societal conditioning. Yeah. The only way to fight societal conditioning is to be aware of it and then fight it. Uh-huh. And so then the argument, of course, is if you don't fight it, you're part of the problem. Right. And so whereas that's a strong way to say it, it's also, yeah, it is, you know, it's... And I mean, the movie goes very directly there, because by the time Absolutely. we get to the end, we've got that, uh, you know, the guy that always plays a drunk homeless guy in movies oh, yeah. is suddenly now part of the power elite. Part of the for, elite. Un- unexplainably, he's part of the power elite now. Uh, and it, he is meant to represent that, right? He's meant mm-hmm. to represent the guy that's like, no, 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 no come on, just... Join up. What's the problem? I'll tell you, 100%, if this started happening, my reaction, uh, once I realized how many of them there were, would be like, I'm going to get... I'm gonna go try and fucking alien. Right, yeah. <laughs> it would just be try and take advantage. I'm just of the gonna situation completely in some way. like in the Matrix. I always would have taken whichever the pill he didn't take was. I always forget what it is. The blue pill. Mm, yeah, yeah. I would have taken know. the blue pill, gone right back to sleep, oh. and enjoyed my life. Because if this is the Matrix, I enjoy my life. I don't need to karate fight robots right now. <laughs> right, right. I'm not equipped for that. Yeah. Surely I could be programmed easily, as evidenced by uh, you know the the Matrix. But it's not my speed. Yeah. Uh, oh, and that was uh, that was part of the reason I I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, part of the reason I, I I jumped back to bring up the um, the name they used, the pseudonym they used, the pseudonym that he used is apparently a character from uh, an H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, and specific as to whose pseudonym you're referring to? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Carpenter's pseudonym, which is uh, uh, not Fred Armisen, but Frank Armitage. Uh, the uh, and. Uh, could you close that window behind you? Oh, yeah. uh, the um, part of the reason, he, so part of the reason he used that name, Fred Armitage, is because that is a character from an H.P. Lovecraft story, and he said very specifically the reason he was so he's very, he's a big Lovecraft fan, but the reason he chose that name is one of the big Lovecraft themes is the world underneath, right? The world beneath, and so like the Matrix falls into that category, Dark City falls into that category, and Twin the, Peaks, Twin Peaks falls into that category. The, these are these really it, we've been telling this story for so long, right? Uh, it's a story that I, I guess we must be fascinated by as people, right? The story of of the power and where is the where does the power come from? That's How the do you story of first cause. Even I mean, every story has you, know, you can relate any story to a biblical sure. happening of mm-hmm. sorts. But I mean, that is the question: is do we have free will or don't we? Right. You know, and I think that's what informs you know religious parables that go way back in the day. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's every you know it's we always question what is fate, who is in power. They all go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know, like how in control of my life am I? Right. You know, and I the d- answer is a gray area because I yeah. feel very in control of my life. Mm-hmm. But like there are things that I cannot control that may or may not affect me, but they are around, you know, they yeah. are in the environment. Well, we were talking, we, we had some McDonald's for dinner tonight and we were talking about that, right? Like how in control are we of our diets and why? Oh, yeah. I feel a little out of control of my diet and how much of that is my responsibility versus maybe the chemicals that are put in my food. And, mm. you know, there's all the, it, 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 we live in this like weird, crazy, they live, we do, we live in a weird, crazy, they live world where there is a little bit of control that's a little bit outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell where those lines are drawn. How, you know, how much of the control is mine and how much of it is outside of me. And the question, too, is always, I mean, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, The World's End. Uh-huh. You know, and the, the question is, at what point do you just go like, eh, fuck it? You know, right. like, it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. This, this system works. I mm-hmm. might as well play into it mm-hmm. as opposed to bucking the system. Right. And for everybody, that breaking point is different. And uh, well, when you were making the point before that, like, uh, one attitude towards that is you're either with us or against us. You're either a part of the system or you're, mm-hmm. you're against the system. And, uh, you know, one of the things that struck me about this movie is is 
Rowdy Rowdy Piper's character, as soon as he gets the glasses on and realizes there are other people that are maybe in power, he just starts murdering them in oh, cold yeah, blood. Yeah. He is the definitive representation of you're either for them or against them, right? Oh, yeah. It's like he's as, the solution. As soon as he realizes that there's this issue, he is gonna f- put a fucking stop to it. Oh, like, yeah. That's it. And there he really, is no... he, I mean, he does save the day, but he totally agitates the situation oh first. Oh, my God, yeah. He completely... Ag- what I love is that his first thing, he puts on the glasses and is like, oh, I better better get a gun. Yeah, yeah. Gets a gun, kills some cops, gets more guns. Better write a sweet one-liner uh-huh. so I can deliver it before I go into the bank and kill people. Th- this movie is full of sweet one-liners. I'm trying to remember the one that I loved so and much. This was something that happened in the 80s uh, with uh, you know with things like Commando. You know, let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, it's the uh, the the whole idea of I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. A contextual one-liner. One-liners don't have to be good. Right. They just have to escalate the badass right. to be more macho. Right. And there is nothing more macho than talking shit on someone before shitting on someone. Uh-huh. And that's something that became huge. Yeah. And like that's that's what is so funny to me about Die Hard is that he's become like the one-liner guy. Yeah. But his one-liners were like a parody of that yes. that notion, but it's totally, you know, for this it it's you could tell John Carpenter wanted it. Mm-hmm. You could tell, uh, you know, just the film climate required it. Yep. And you could tell that, like, as a as a screen screenwriter, it was just like, I don't really have an actor on my hands. I have a wrestler on my hands. That's all we can re- well, like require fun. of him is just do that. And yeah. he nails it. Well, because like, totally a, nails like it. you just brought up something interesting, which is like in a Schwarzenegger movie when there are one-liners, generally speaking. There's some context to the scene that allows for that one-liner. Absolutely. Like when he says, let off some steam Bennett, it's because he shoves a pipe that's spitting steam out of it through a man's chest. Oh, no. He throws a man into oh, right. a yes. spit-streaming <laughs> pipe. Get it right. Uh, Get your commanders right. But in this movie, he like walks into a bank, looks around... <laughs> says and it. then says the bubblegum one-liner, yeah. right? Like, there's no context for him to say these things. He just I think it's says just them. he wants to be a badass, Yeah, I know. I it's, like, it's so funny. It's so weird. What? It's such a bizarre He says choice, it because the script told him to. Right. It's, like, really the only motivation but behind it. But for some reason, it, I it's love better it in for this. It. It's not, yeah, it doesn't, like, uh, grate on me at I all. I think it, it says it, a lot about his decision to just go, like, I'm going to start killing shit. Right. Because that's what he knows. Now, mm-hmm. of course, we find out later that he had a, a tortured up. Sure. Bringing, but it really as, possibly you know, by these things. By the way, yeah, that's right. True. Like, wasn't there a moment where he was like, and then they changed, right? Yeah, He's like, yeah. then my parents changed, and I had to run away. And I was curious what that's that meant. wild. I was curious if that meant he I was mean, raised it could by be these things, that way. or his parents were replaced by these things. Maybe not at all. Who mm. knows? Or may, or maybe I'm sorry. Probably more likely they fell victim to yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. these things were doing to us. The signal, right? Mm. They fell victim to the signal, and suddenly they were no longer the the very humane parents that he had. And know? then the other way to read it is maybe he just you know did what a lot of people do where they grow up and don't see eye to eye with their parents yeah, yep, and they just yep. moved out because he's a rebel. Well, I think he said it was like at 16 though. He made a big point that this was like he was really young and had to, and had to go away cuz yeah, there yeah, was yeah. a change in his parents. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I do see I do see what you're saying. Well, I think what I'm the saying same is thing that holds. there's 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 evidence for all of it. Yes. So you can take it anyway and yeah, it's exactly. valid. You know, yeah. like that's For sure. And, and it, they both say the same thing yes. about his character mm-hmm. is that he he sees things his way yes. and any alteration from that is going to be met with the Extreme prejudice and, and excessive violence. Yes. Uh, 
but slow methodical excessive Absolutely. violence. Well, he's all about methodical. I mean, in a world where aliens are taking over stuff, he still finds the the time to get up and press his acid wash jeans and tuck his flannel <laughs> shirt into them. This man's shirt stays tucked, tucked. even as he is thrown through plate glass windows down yeah. mountains, even as he fist fights Keith David for how long is that fight? About oh, an hour and twenty five minutes <laughs> yeah. over some glasses. Uh-huh. Stays tucked. Beautiful. And it's not that it's... I don't even find it unbelievable that it stays tucked because that is a tuck. <laughs> that is the tightest tuck I ever did see. He was. They were like, what size jeans are you? He was like, I'm a 32 waist. They're like, we're going to give you a 14 so that your shirt never you know, comes untucked. And he was like, I can, I can do that. There is I a love Roddy Piper. This movie does have that weird 80s machismo to it too where it's like everybody's just big and they handle everything by grunting at each other and oh, pointing yeah. weapons at each other it's and like violence is communication the, yeah yeah and, the, and the, even in their big fight scene they're beating the hell out of each other and then there's one part where uh i forget what he does but he, he they like stop to yeah, right, laugh laughs about at him, him. Yeah. yeah he's like oh you really you know oh man you, you okay you really thinking and then of course it's we're not done talking oh, he so breaks they, the window of his car that oh yeah that's what it was he breaks the window of his car and he's just like oh man i'm really sorry about that and they, it almost becomes like a man-to-man, like, well, that's what happens. Yeah. But then the conversation doesn't continue with words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, fists. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one-liner that I liked so much. It was something like, life's a bitch, buddy, and she's about to go back in heat. Oh, yeah, he said, uh, he was like, life's a bitch, isn't she? And now she's back in heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom. Oh my yeah, god! This is '88, so this mm-hmm. is definitely post most of the cultural machismo movies. Yes, and uh, this this it, I would say it's a parody of it if I didn't know for a fact that it's not. Mm-hmm. But it, it also is just it's a riff on it that really yeah. works. If that's the I, I think that's the proper word. I, I would say that Carpenter is very aware of those things because I would I would say that probably um, Big Trouble in Little China is actually. A commentary on machismo characters a little bit, so I think there's oh, an yeah. awareness that he has about what these characters Absolutely. are like, and yeah, that's a, I always say this about Big Trouble in Little China, and why I love Kurt Russell is that Big Trouble in Little China treats who, by all accounts, would just be the silly sidekick Jack Burton mm-hmm. as the hero, and the guy who's like really legit, and I can't think of his buddy's name. Mm, I don't remember. Is relegated to second fiddle. Yep. But what I love about Kurt Russell is he is the only action hero outside of maybe now Rowdy Rowdy Piper who isn't afraid to be the butt of the joke. Oh yeah. You know, there's never a point where you know if an action hero is the butt of something, it's it's a dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. They're never the butt of the joke. They're always one step ahead on the wit mm-hmm. and. Uh, for Kurt Russell, he's always the butt of the joke, but he's, he's still a, a badass. And Rowdy Rowdy Piper, an incredible badass, but like there are definitely a, more than a more than a few slapstick like, oh yeah, oh what a silly guy moments for yeah. him. There's a couple wah wahs. There's you the know. fucking dump truck thing, which was ridiculous, where he like, oh that was insane. He yeah. gets into this dump truck to try and fish the uh, the glass. He's trying to find the sunglasses. Which that he has what now was he? Place. He has a box of sunglasses. He's yep. like, I need to hide them somewhere safe where they won't just be like taken. Let me put them in this trash can yeah. in on a day that it's very clear the trash is coming soon uh-huh. because there's a ton of trash. Uh-huh. And then I'll just go about my life. Yep. No one ever... There, it's not like there's anything that happens regularly removing trash from it. Well, yeah. 
And then it just so happens that the dump truck that was going to take the that trash away is still sitting next to that trash with the trash inside of it. So he gets inside of the dump truck. He fishes out the sunglasses and finds them. And then for no reason at all, this dump truck that they must have at some point previously filled with trash. Well, it's clear they just filled it. They had to have emptied all of these cans because that's the only way those sunglasses would have got in there into this dump truck. Then empties itself back out into the yeah. middle of the street. Well, it could be argued that because he opened the back of the truck... He set off some sort of mechanism? Oh, yeah, there's that. But, I mean, even even that he opened the back of it, so when they go to dump it, it'll all fall out. But if they left Why it shut, there's no go, reason that they would go to, dump, go to it. dump it. So maybe it's just that thing. But, I, honestly, it was one of those where if you're not thinking about it, you actually might miss it. Because I think so, yeah. it's so funny. It's so silly. Yeah. You're really just concerned that he's going to get these mm-hmm. glasses, so it, it plays. Well, it, I actually have the line for you if oh, you want to hear it. please do. And it is, uh, oh, I just lost it. Oh. It is, oh, fuck. I, I think I scrolled down. Oh, Here it no. is. Brother, life's a bitch, and she's back in heat. <laughs> Actually, this is a great one from the fight. Nada. I'm giving you a choice. Either put these glasses, put on these glasses, or start eating that trash can. To which Frank responds, "Not this year." <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so good. Uh, it is. It is like it's oh. ca- the golden rule. He oh. who has the gold <laughs> makes the rules. <laughs> oh my God! It, it sincerely, it's like one of those things where it's so hard for me to 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 like try and defend it when you re- when we read them out of context, you know. But it's like it really it's it's another example of we talk about this all the time, a movie working on its own terms, right? Mm-hmm. This is John Carpenter is one of the best at that. He sets, He's not asking you to believe it. No. He's just inviting you to come be a part of it. Yes. You know, yeah. This movie it, it sets up a world in which that's this is the way people talk. This is the way people oh, yeah. interact. It plays by those rules and it's okay. It's fun. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, to tell you the truth, I, I think that just the way culture has changed has affected movies for sure in terms of in the 80s it's not like movies had to be at this point home video was new right so it was like you're trying to get butts in seats and so there was still that i mean the first movie was just a moving train and people Mm -hmm. just wanted to see the spectacle so movies were you know this is where i get off kind of defending things like avatar because it's like You've gone and made a spectacle, a reason to go see it. Mm -hmm. Is it a good movie on the terms that I understand it? No, but you've made a spectacle. Yeah. And 1988 is a time where it's like, we're not at the meta culture yet. Right. We're not at the point where we're so exposed to seeing the same movies over and over again that we can really pick them apart. Right. But there is a self-awareness that like movies are a thing and they exist in a certain world. Yep. And Carpenter exists in that bubble to a T. And like when Carpenter kind of fell off as a director that was pumping out shit regularly, it was about the time that that shift of just yes. like not necessarily asking more of our movies, but asking different things because yes. we've moved away from the spectacle and want you know certain stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and this movie never asks you to believe that it exists in a real world, mm-hmm. and now we sort of all want we do, I don't know why, but there is a desire for every movie to exist in the real world, right? I hate that so much. We want we I want Batman to be gritty and real. Else. We want the Transformers to look of scale in a city. We mm-hmm. want you know like we want those things in our movies. 
I'll be the first to admit, like, I've complained about that in a Transformer Absolutely. movie. You know what I mean? Uh, but, it, you know, this was a time when it's like movies didn't ask you to do that and audiences didn't ask movies to do that. Absolutely. Uh, that was one thing with um, just recently I saw American Sniper. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene, there's a couple scenes where they have to handle a baby. Uh-huh. And it is the fakest fucking baby. It's <laughs> so <laughs> noticeable. But I'll tell you what. If that baby was handled the same way in They Live, yeah. I may have noticed it, but it would have been more of like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just dismissed it. Whereas like for American Sniper, it's so bad that I wouldn't be surprised if it ruined the rest of the movie for people because it's so glaring and so fake. And where, what's the difference? Right. At the end of the day, why does one merit a real looking thing and where the other one doesn't? Right. And the, the answer, I think, is in the audience itself. Yeah. You know, that's really... You know, for 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 me, the the fake baby would have been enough, and they live. But it's not nearly enough in American right. Sniper. And of course, those movies are aiming for different goals. But well, I think more thing. of the honest of that is on the fact that as an audience, I am conditioned to expect a certain thing out of a certain type, and so that was jarring. American Sniper is working on different terms, and those exactly. terms have been laid out both by the audience and then by the filmmakers that have to respond to that audience. Absolutely. Right? The audience decides, no, we need things to be like pretty realistic. Like we're not going to get on board for something like they live. We're done with that. Yeah. Right. That's also, o- and you're, you're opening it with based on a true story. So there's that too. Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, but uh, so then to respond to that, a filmmaker has to make something again, American sniper, not the best example because it's based on a true story, but it has to make something that seems to exist in a real world, mm. but it doesn't, it's a movie. So then every little thing that's not quite right, Right, and it's just because you're making a movie, right? There's got to be movie oh, magic yeah. in the movie for it to work. That was the moment where the movie suddenly felt pretend. Yeah. Whereas with They Live, it unabashedly says, like, we are pretend. Oh, yeah. Come have some fun in our pretend world. And I, I think that that's something that's lost in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's something that I love that, like, Edgar Wright's holding on to and that, yes. that the Marvel Universe really works hard on. Is And honestly, that's, that's something that I loved about uh, Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Steve, who has uh, been on the show in the past. Yes. And he said that he wasn't so moved by Nightcrawler. And one of his uh, his big questions was like, oh, after he found that one house, when he drove away in an orange Mustang and the cops yeah. passed right by, no one thought to report that. And my answer was like, maybe someone did and we just didn't get there yet. Sure. The movie doesn't tell that story. But for the most part, for me, it was just... To me, the movie wasn't concerned with that, and that was a, and that's a huge hole, if you ask me. But I'm not looking for that hole because that's not the story I want to see. I actually total have total valid criticism too. I, I have a very real answer to that question. Oh, if cool. you care to hear it on the podcast, I, yeah, right I'd love now. to. Uh, so I listened to an interview with the writer of the of the movie. Who yeah, yeah. Uh, did he direct it as well? Yeah, Am I Dan right about Gilroy. That? Right. Yeah. Dan Gilroy, right? Uh, and he said that that is the most regrettable scene in the movie. Mm. Uh, it was a scene where we've been talking about limitations, right? Sun was going down. They only had a few more minutes with this squad of cop cars and this car that they needed to basically shoot escaping from the scene as the cop cars got to the scene. And it was intended to be shot in a way where you it just would it wouldn't even cross your mind yeah, yeah. that the Mustang might get seen near the scene. But they just, they had to shoot it, they had to get going, they had to move, and it just, they just had to go. They had to go, they made the decision for car to pull out, cop cars to pull in, and it wasn't until he went to look back at the footage later that he was like, oh my god. It's an orange Mustang, like it's, this looks ridiculous, like they, of course they would turn around and chase it. I think that movie actually does a lot of, uh, 
It does a lot of uh, ambiguity. Yes. So you can leave it as that, like, they probably did call it in. Yeah. And maybe after the credits roll, someone knocks on right. his door. And maybe he bargains his way out of that. Right. But at the same time, like, my, my point is, is... is Oh, I understand your point. Oh, and actually, the story defeats your point, unfortunately. Oh, but yeah. No, no. But I mean, I, I mean, in terms of, like, regardless... Yes. When that happened in the movie, yep. I thought of that for a split second. Yep. And then I realized, you know what? I actually just don't care. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. You know, and, and that, to me, is strong writing. And it's also just, that's... That's the world this movie takes place in. It's like, yeah, they could chase his car, mm-hmm. and then that's where the movie is now. Yeah. But I don't want the movie where he's right. running from the cops. I want this other movie. Exactly. And I'll take that. And while it is it is a whole, that's just the reality that that you have to accept. Um, oh, shit. Now I lost my point that I was making with it. Well, that was the it. point that the director made, which was it still services his story. Right? Yeah, exactly. That it at the end of the day, the like he had to work within these limitations, and that that's shot is necessary. Yeah. Is that that's what we talked about right at the beginning. Yep. John Carpenter's strengths, to me... Are the fact that he has limitations yep. and he needs to bring it in under budget, so he has to be creative in a way to make something cinematic mm-hmm. and to make something happen on screen mm-hmm. without necessarily creating that something happening mm-hmm. on screen or even having to show it. Mm-hmm. And so that scene in in Nightcrawler, that was a limitation, and he did the best possible thing he could to it. And it was and based on the reception of Nightcrawler, it was enough. Yeah, you know, totally, totally enough. did it. Yep. It was enough. And so, you know, in in summation to this whole thing is. We were invited in that world to play. Yes. And the person who invited us, we have to play on his terms. Mm-hmm. And Carpenter does that read uh, really strong with a lot of his movies. He does that really well. Like, I, there is, it's so funny to me that, like, as a huge movie fan my whole life, I'm now at a point where I'm watching things like they live. And I'm going, like, this is one of my favorite things. Like, this is a really interesting, cool Creativity movie. comes from not, from, like, motivation is having too much to do and not enough time. That's right. what I always say. But like creativity too, like sometimes it just comes down to the point where it's like you got to make something, mm-hmm. and you can sit there and stew over it and do all that. But when it comes to to go time, sometimes it's the it's the go time that that forces the creativity. Mm-hmm. That is your catalyst, and his whole career is just, you know, it's I have this much money, I have to make this movie. Whatever happens in the middle, we just got to make that equation work yeah. out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. He, I mean, he just. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's like I, 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 sh- I, sh- I just feel like I shouldn't like a movie like this, like mm. as a as a film aficionado, whatever that fucking means. You know, like I feel like I should look at something like this and go, well, it's a little bit cheesy, and like maybe it's not a, you know, not up to the standards of this or that. But it's like, no, this is like a dude that fucking took a few thousand dollars mm. and told a really interesting, weird, funny story that is super entertaining and fun to watch and worth going back to. And right? that's the key, I think, right there is that. Movies at the end of the day, like, yeah, we have now made it to the point where we regard them as high art, right. and they are, and they right. can be. But what are they at their dawn? Entertainment. Entertainment. And one of the things that I judge every movie by is, do I check my watch at any point during the yeah. movie? And I could have watched this movie twice and oh never my looked God, at my yeah. watch once. Totally. And so that, and that to me is a success. Yeah. You know, and that that's cool. And when, when something bad takes you out of a movie, that's the moment where you're just like, all right. And even if you don't literally check your watch, that's a total check the watch moment Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm no longer a part of this narrative. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that they live really offers an out. You know, it brings Mm. you into the world and there's really no point where you can objectively just be like, fuck this. You know, it's it's totally just I was never bored by it. It Mm. was like really it was really fun and weird and interesting. And actually, it was uh, funnily enough, like for as sort of like we're 
I guess to some extent we're commenting like, yeah, the plot's like a, a, a little loose and like, you know, maybe not that complicated or, or interesting or whatever. I don't know how we're saying it exactly. I'd be curious to read the source story. I, I would uh, too, actually. Uh, the, you know, the way it goes down in the first half hour is actually a pretty interesting mystery. Yeah, right? they don't like, really say anything. I was anything, pretty yeah. confused, quote unquote confused, for the first half hour of the movie, but I don't mean confused in the way where I was like, ah, this fucking sucks. Like, I don't even understand what's happening. Oh, yeah, It yeah, was yeah. that good kind of confused where it's like, man... I don't know what's happening yet. Like I'm not. I'm. This Honestly, story it feels is so like interesting, when we watch Body Snatchers, yet. where it's yeah. just I. I don't know. I know what's up generally. Yes, but you know, just because that's what this is. But yeah, I don't know how it's gonna go. Yeah. And even I've seen this movie probably ten times, mm-hmm. and watching it this time, I wasn't bored during that first half hour where mm-hmm. there's no sci-fi action. Right. You know, it's good. But also, just as it unfolded, there was things where I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember this aspect mm-hmm. of it and all of that, and that's cool. Yeah. You know, that's rewatchability. Oh, absolutely. You know, I could describe to you the whole plot of this movie and then watch it again and just new things, like new nuances of like, ooh, maybe that means this. Yeah. And none of it, I think, purposefully means anything. It's just, it's it's a dense enough work, mm-hmm. you know, considering. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, that's funny. It is sort of like... Um, it it's simultaneously pretty light and pretty dense. Mm-hmm. Like it's it is like just a fun, funny movie, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that commentary that is so broad and it's hitting you over the head with is enough to like give you something to chew on. Absolutely, it gives, it's the bubble gum. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And then it kicks your ass. Yep. But and it's there's also there's a huger story here too. Oh yeah. That yes. we're not going to see. We don't get to see. No. There's the invasion. Yeah. There's what happens after he destroys the signal and they're they're found. They out. introduce interdimensional travel at the end of this movie. I want to see nothing. that movie. I want to know what's happening on the other well, side of the prime dimensions. example when we talked about uh, the the guest yes. or or under the skin. Yes. Where it's like yeah there there actually is more that you know now can't be considered canon because final cut has been dropped. Yep. But you know was part of the story. Mm-hmm. And just the filmmaker said, you know what? It's superfluous. Yes. The the message we want, the story we want to tell doesn't involve that. So mm-hmm. go find that if you want. But this is our story. Yep. And our story is essentially just it's 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 Rowdy Roddy Piper's time in this one town. Yeah. He shows up, he eventually we presume he dies at the end. Mm-hmm. Is uh you know, that's that's the story, is just his his experience in this. Yeah. You know, there's there's a They Live too where the uprising happens or where things change. There's a prequel to They Live where the aliens show up and start, you know, assuming the presidency. Right. But we don't we don't get that and we don't yeah. need that. Well, and this movie's way leaner and better off without it oh, because 100%. I'd much rather just use conjecture to figure that out and discuss it. Yeah. And just let the movie be where it is. You know? Yeah. Okay, can we talk a little bit about some of the filmmaking on display too? Oh, like absolutely. I John Carpenter cool, I is actually one of my favorite directors. Like I I love Can I drop one line before yeah, I close this it. app? Um <clears throat> I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a Keith David voice and a Rowdy Rowdy Piper voice just to, to get both lines out properly. Here we go. <clears throat> I walked a white line my entire life. I'm not about to screw that up. White lines <clears throat> white lines in the middle of the road. That's the worst place to drive. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so good. All right. The best part about that is I there, only I only know which one you were doing because I just saw the movie. Oh yeah. Otherwise I would have you no saw idea me turn which my one head. was which. But, uh, this this is Keith David. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the it's the more racist one. Yeah. And then and then uh, the gr- grumblier one. That's <laughs> he kind of talks like no, he doesn't talk like that at all. <laughs> I'm here to kick at, to chew bubblegum and kick it. He's getting into my my bad J.K. Simmons uh, a little bit, it. but he is he is a little bit that wooden though that that yeah, sort of yeah. wooden performance, which which actually works for the character a little bit. You um, see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she? Put them back on. Formaldehyde face. 
That is so good. I did think it was really funny <laughs> that they're, for almost the whole movie, when you have the glasses on, things turn black and white, which doesn't quite make sense. They're sunglasses, but it's fun, right? Mm. Um, uh, and and the, the effect of the monster faces was super cheap. It oh, was yeah, effective, but super cheap. But then at the end of the movie... It's literally rubber mask. Yeah, it's just uh, rubber mask. Just then, shot well. Then at the end of the movie... We get to see them in color, right? Mm. There's like this reveal of them in color because the signal is now broken. And suddenly it's it's actually like pretty good makeup effects. Like they look a lot better. Just those few quick shots of them in color oh, yeah. look much, much better. And so it's clear that like he had just enough money to like three different times oh, yeah, yeah. shoot some really good camera effects. And then after that, it was like just rubber masks. We'll do it all in black you and white. You know, it, 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 it lends to the story too yep. in terms of the guys building the, the sunglasses. Like this is clearly some technology that they only accidentally got. Yep. And so they're making the best of it. And if the best they can do is reduce the signal so that it's just a black and white image of yep. what's real, that's enough. Yep. Yeah, you know, and that's I and I like that aspect of it is that the the glasses themselves reduce a signal. It's yes, not yeah. like it's a lens that you see it through. Right. It's a signal that's always going on be, so that when you put on the glasses it becomes a rush, mm-hmm. becomes addictive. That was very strange. That was like a strange plot element they introduced and then never really talked about it again. Well, they they kind of suggested that that it's a suppressing signal too, yes. in terms of you know without this signal when they have the glasses on they feel proactive and alive and they can do it. Could also speak to why he feels so immediately violent about That's it. That's true, actually. Is he I just guess, yeah. you know. And um, excuse me, this is a very foamy beer. It's okay. It's not very good either. <laughs> but um. Yeah, and so like so for him to put the glasses on, it's almost that relief, mm-hmm. and so that becomes addictive, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being being woken up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that aspect of it because I thought it was weird when they introduced the the addiction thing, mm-hmm. and then they never really talked about it again, so I didn't have to think much about it. It was mm-hmm. like it was kind of left on the floor, and I was curious. I was like, why did they? Introduce this idea that it's addictive, but well, that makes sense. Actually, I don't actually. think he said addictive so much as he was just like, "That is a rush." I feel and like so. I think it's just to. I I think that line exists just so it's like. It, not only do these allow you to see, but it promotes a relief from this suppression. I think I put addictive on. I think you're right. I think he says it's like a drug. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, yeah. addictive is is definitely the yeah what what is being said. But you know, it's it's more addictive in terms of like, you know, it's like uh, it's. It's fun to be underwater and swim around, but when you pop right. your head up and take that breath, there's there's a relief. Or mm-hmm. when you have to pee so bad, mm-hmm. and then you finally do, there's distinct pleasure mm-hmm. that comes from just the lack of displeasure. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is what it is, is that this signal not only hampers our senses and what we can receive, but it's also a little bit of a somewhat physical oppression. Yeah. So when you do that and you see reality as it really is, it becomes like, oh, oh you know, it's that kind of a thing. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I was so curious about that as we were watching the movie. I was like, this doesn't totally make sense to me, but that that does make sense to me now. And it's also And you know, I like that commentary actually. I think that's oh, yeah. interesting too. And, and that's the thing, like I, I always said I remember when I was like really heavy into doing comedy and I was waiting tables, there was mm-hmm. a piece of me that was like, I never want to sit at an office desk all day. I'm not gonna sell out to the man. Yeah. And I, I work at a office uh-huh. desk right now and it's it's one of those things where it's I bought into it because the benefits outweighed the cons. Mm-hmm. And like, is it what I want to do? No. Is what I'm doing something that's even good? I don't really think so. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I need that money, and it makes the th- the, the qualities that it bumps up in my yeah. life are an even trade for me. Yep. And what that says about me, I'll let you be the judge. I'm yeah. not proud of it. Yeah. 
But at the same time, there is a certain relief with just giving into the system. Oh, dude, I know, yeah. And so, you know, like if suddenly I were to win the lottery, and, and that's why you see like a lot of people who don't have a lot of money, suddenly they win the lottery and then they just ruin themselves mm -hmm. because the freedom from this tried and true, albeit oppressive, system that still works in terms of functionality, to break free from that is almost too much freedom for yeah. somebody. And so uh, maybe it could be argued that you put the glasses on and just want to start killing aliens. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, know what? That's that's really, really interesting. And, and the best part about all of this is I'm willing to bet that this conversation is the furthest thing from uh, Frank Armitage's mind. Oh, fuck <laughs> it, yeah. He was just like, I need to I need to make this movie 90 minutes and work. Yep. Everything's got to be somewhat explainable. Yep. But that's beautiful because, yeah. you know, the same thing with the thing. It's a localized small story, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, the human connotations of that, what yeah. we discuss, are what's so interesting about it. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, when really it was created as just a, a diversionary thing. It's just yeah, a, you know, I think this movie has a little bit of it on its mind, at least. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think to have... As it naturally to should. To have billboards that say obey on them, yeah, yeah. I, I think it does have something on its mind more than entertainment. What I think is so interesting about it is... That's secondary it is still to the entertainment. so though, yeah. entertaining. You know, Absolutely. yeah, uh, that is so interesting. To I me think that's I what think Carpenter that remembers the most is that it doesn't matter how strong your message is. If the movie doesn't work at the end of the day, no one's going to hear it anyway. Well, and he's P.T. Barnum, right? Like he's the entertainer, right? Exactly, like that's exactly. what he's here to do. He wants to entertain you. Now, if he can get if there's something personal uh, uh, to him that is like really he feels like he just needs to say and get out there and he can do that through his methodology, which is entertainment. I'm the entertainer. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Do it. Beautiful. Yeah. Do it. Uh, and I think he did it in this, you know, in a really interesting, weird way. It's a very unique movie. Trying I can't to think, think of anything I can really compare it to. The closest thing I have is Body Snatchers. Yeah, me too. And um, or, or, and World's End by that by that. Yeah, token, and World's End. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a uh, that's wild to think that the girl from World's End is an Oscar nominated actress now what for the Gone fuck, Girl. Man, this year, yeah. I know. Oh, and it's great. She was great in Gone Girl. She was. She yeah. was you did. You finally watched that. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah. There was a. Uh, uh, to jump to the imitation game, another sure. Oscar yes. bait movie that I saw recently. There's a a line that they keep running to throughout. It's it's like a refrain that they keep running to, and it's uh, imitate me. Well, it's it's humans are violent because violence feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels good, mm -hmm. and it's it's only when we see the results of the violence that it becomes a bad thing. Mm. You know, it's it feels good to do, mm -hmm. and uh, they talk about because the whole thing is about ending ending the war. Right. And just violence feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there would be no war if it didn't. Right. Now, granted, there are situations where war works. There are situations where it's the worst idea. But it feels good. Whether you like that or not, it feels good. Violence feels good. And I think in terms of, you know, something like they live, mm -hmm. you know, when I when I think of, of things like war happening, I don't know how I feel about it because I'm not experiencing it, but I'm paying for it and all that stuff because I just trust that that's the system that works. Mm -hmm. And uh, in they live, you know, it's it's that, that giving up to something that is bigger than you, that it, it's still human to, to me, like... Trying to think of a good way. Like when I see war on TV, even though I know it's awful, there's still a charge in there. There's a primal mm. charge mm -hmm. that's like, ooh, violence, ooh, this. It's why we play the video games we play. It's why, exactly. Like that, it's why know? we watch movies like They yes. Live and when people get blown away by a shotgun, it's great. 100%. We revel and in so that. So we revel in that and it does feel good and do all that. And at what point do we condemn it? At what point do we not condemn right. it? But the whole idea is just when you buy into that system, what are you buying with it? And right. what can you do? 
what can you justify as a right thing to have purchased? And one of the things that surprisingly all of us purchase and just go, eh, is that, that violent tendency. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, maybe I've lost my imitation game connection, but <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the whole idea is how far do you buy into a system right. before it challenges your morals? Right, yeah. And yeah. how many morals are you willing to delay just because the system's working for you so well? And that is a very current idea. And an even bigger question is, uh, I, I think, and it is apparent in this movie, is it, it rego- you're saying, like, how far down the path do you walk before, like, you cross your morals, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think at what point big- do I say, that's enough. Right. I'm going to stop paying taxes for you to go kill people. But I think there's a bigger question of, should you even start walking that path mm-hmm. if you know that that's the end of the path, yeah, right? Yeah. Because that's one of the questions of this movie is they put the glasses on, and they know that's the end of the path. Oh, yeah, yeah. So do you even, st- like, to become the power, because they, they're told you can become the power elite. The, like, the, the first thing the cop says to him when he puts it on is, hey, we can work this out in yeah. a way that we both help each other. Yeah. That's not, that's we'll not an issue. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you in. If you want to accept what we have to say and offer, we'll let you in. Come mm. on in. Join the club. Start the path. Mm-hmm. And, and and I agree, there is a question of how far down that path, because I think that's what, the again, the drunk old man is meant to represent, is how far down the path are oh, you willing yeah. to go? And he even says it where he's like, we deserve a little bit of the yeah. high life. And, you know, and it also condemns a world where the, the dangling carrot of the mm-hmm. high life is so, you know, that even the people who aren't, you know, the, the plebes, the, uh, the proles, right. to, to develop somebody who's very community-minded to become someone who's willing to step on others to get a little bit of just essentially relief mm-hmm. is, is you know, that's a very easy thing to manipulate from a point of power. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's scary. And I think that's all meant to uh, have us finally ask the question, well, if we can put the glasses on and we know that that's where it's headed, can you, should we even start on that path? Sh- should we take the job that gets us a little more money so we can have a little bit of the comfort? Or is that just immediately playing into the end game that we all know we don't want? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer, but I think that's a very interesting question. Oh yeah, and I think the answer is personal for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, it, it you is. Know, it, it changes. Yeah. Like I said, there was a point where I knew I was never going to get behind an office. There's a point where thing. I were doing what you're currently doing, and I have since left. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Like I've since decided that that is not. For, I did do that for a while. I ju- mm-hmm. and I and I appreciated it where you're appreciating it now on just a level of like this is. Pretty great. This is a trade-off that I I don't mind that I'll actually. Make. Yeah. This comfort is is worth the the sort of mental stress and anguish I might have to put myself through that I wasn't before. However, you want to qualify that. That's what it was for me. But whatever it is for people, oh, however they want yeah. to qualify it. Um, and, and I got to a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And it for some people that happens. For some people, it doesn't. You know what I mean? I, I think again, you're right. It is a personal thing of like how far does that trade-off go? Where do you start? Where do you end? You know? Absolutely. Uh, and it's just I I like that this movie. It, here we go. We talked in the beginning, like, man, this this movie paints in some broad strokes. It oh, yeah. does, but because they're broad, we can all connect to it a little bit. Exactly. And it gives us something to think about and something it's to broad, chew on. but it's not empty. Right. It's not one right. of those things yes, where it's yes. just like, we're mad. Right. Okay. Yeah. We're mad. You're great. Yeah. Feel better. Cheer right. up. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's there's enough that someone can relate to. It gives you something to chew on. That's Absolutely. good. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, uh, man, I love that you can, man, this truly is a bubblegum popcorn movie. It's like, oh, yeah. it gives you something to chew on, but also something to blow and pop because it's fun. Well, we can sit here and talk about it for hours about what it means to us. Yeah. But at the same time, we could get hammered and watch this with a group of bros. Yes. And every time there's an explosion of blood or an alien shows up while people are fucking, it would be like, whoa, this is crazy. It would be and a great totally Saturday cool. afternoon. It really would. It was a great. It was. Yeah, that's yeah. what we did. <laughs> um, 
I do really quick want to talk about some filmmaking things. One, yeah, one please in do. particular. I mean, what kind of time actually. are we on? I, it's we're about an hour in. I think we're, you know we'll wrap up fairly soon, but we're, yeah, we're good. I think we can play it loose a little. We're bit. good. Uh, we haven't put one out in a while, ladies the, and gentlemen. You should listen to us. That's true. The uh, he is one of my favorite directors uh, because he makes like r- some interesting choices. I feel like his choices are small actually, comparatively to some other filmmakers you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, like you won't find some big Spielberg shots in his movies necessarily, right? Um, but he like there was there a- was one shot that was like a very big sweeping establishing shot of the like flop house area where he first goes. Yes, there was when they first walk in, it follows them for a little bit and then pulls back into mm-hmm. a crane shot where you kind of get a little bit of the geography of that block. Yes, because you need to see the church. You need to see right, all that. You're right. Yeah, and it's not a particularly long shot, but it's not a quick take. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's probably a good 25 seconds before it cuts. Well, and I didn't mean and to. It's Im- nothing too dynamic, but right. it's it's there. You know, he but he does do a lot of dynamic things that I like, like that fight sequence that should, by all accounts, be kind of boring and uncinematic because it is it's like super a, these like slow punches. He does all these great, just slow rolling cameras oh, around yeah. them. He does longer takes of them throwing each other. The around fight itself has a three act structure. Yeah. And and it really does, but even when you break it down, there's points where like, you know, it's really quick cut dynamic fighting, wide lens shot of you know a lot of well choreographed fighting, mm-hmm. and then shots of them getting ready to fight where the camera's the most active. Thing. Right. Yeah. You know, there's never a point where it's just uh, actually that was my my biggest issue with a lot of American Sniper is a lot of it is just a camera pointed at stuff. And where there's a lot of cool scenes that have these amazing set pieces that could provide a lot of tension and do for what they're worth, Mm -hmm. none of it comes from the directing. It just comes from the way it's orchestrated Mm -hmm. because the camera's just pointed. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you look at professional wrestling, a lot of it is just, you know, four cameras around the ring. When they hit the mat, they shake the camera a little bit so it looks cool. But this is, you know, that same type of fighting, but done with somebody who has an eye for cinema and the geography of the scene. One hundred percent. So within this this ridiculous fight scene, there's a lot of like bravura filmmaking going oh, yeah. on, where the camera's alive, the camera's active. Yeah. It's totally aware it's a movie, but it plays in a way that's natural, like you're a bystander. Totally. Fucking amazing. It was really good. Uh, the other, there was one shot in particular that really, uh, ju- I don't know, it just like called out to me for some. I reason. I think I can picture it in my head right now. What you're about to say it, it's the overhead shot when she eventually kicks him oh, out the yeah. window or punches him out the window or whatever she does. Uh, it just like there, there's this scene where uh, Roddy Piper is with the I don't know the actress's name unfortunately. Um, I is, don't think she's really an actress. Yeah, character. she it's 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 really the only female character in the movie if I if I remember correctly. Um, I mean the only one that's that's not just like a, a newscaster right. background player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he he is uh, in this woman's house. He has essentially kidnapped her, so she thinks he's dangerous. It's Holly. Her name's Meg, Holly, Meg Foster, yes. playing Holly. Holly. Uh, News. And he's essentially kidnapped Holly. Uh, so she has a right to be afraid of him and feel threatened by him. But they're having this scene where like they're sort of they're they're negotiating with each other, oh, yeah, sort yeah. of slowly and calmly. And what was funny is when that first came on, you were like, "This is weird." They kind of have like a pre-established relationship. Right. And having not seen it in a while, you know, I was thinking like, yeah, that is weird, but I guess it's just film economy. Let's move yeah. the story along. But we, of course, yeah, we, yeah. We, we get to the final result, which is she does not trust this guy and is afraid of this guy and thinks 
maybe she plays into him a little bit. She can relax him and then get one over on him, right? But the way he does this as a filmmaker is so great because he gets one over on the audience in the way she's trying oh, to get yeah. one over on him. I thought she was just in, in for the game. He yeah. lulls you into this thing. Like, he lets them negotiate for a while, and it's slow. It's calm. It's a little weird and unsettling because the way they're talking to each other doesn't quite make sense. You're like, why are they? I hate to say it like so crass, but in the 80s, the way that like, I mean, the way that men spoke to each other is that they they fought Mm -hmm. Uh, in 80s movies. Like there is no such thing as a man talking to a woman that isn't like a little rapey. Oh, yeah. Like it's totally that's totally there. Like you're not a second class citizen, but you are a couple points below where Uh we're at, you know, and. You know, that's a battle that's still being and fought, is but is much further it. along today. And yeah, that's what's so interesting about her character. She's playing into it. And whereas you would go like, ooh, that's interesting. There's also the like, she's. we find out she's a villain. She's playing into it because she knows every, She knows more. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that I loved, though, is the way he sort of like, so he lulls you in with the conversation. The camera doesn't move a lot. It's pretty slow. Moves around. It's evenly paced. Then when he gets up to look at that window, right when he or whatever he's looking at, when that he, is an amazing shot. He stands up, and all of a sudden, the camera gets real active. It's not been active. Actually, for a you while. know what that shot is a like dead-on representation of. There is a hallway scene in the original Psycho where. Um, Norman Bates in Grandmother Drag throws one of the cops down the steps, mm-hmm. but right at that moment, the camera goes to a bird's eye view above them oh. and just finishes out the scene from the top. Yeah, he did that a lot, jarring. I think, those overhead shots. Oh, yeah, yeah, and this this was very reminiscent of that, yeah. whether it was intentional or not, but it, it felt like that. It, yeah, I mean, it was like, it just, all of a sudden, the camera makes this move to be from overhead, and you're like, whoa, why do I have such a different perspective? And it's because... We, you know, we're suddenly, I guess, maybe looking at it from her perspective, and we weren't before, right? We were seeing it from Roddy's perspective as the audience, and suddenly it switches to hers, this weird overhead perspective. It's it's happening really fast, and she just fucking knocks him in the head, and he goes out the oh, window. Yeah. It is, I don't know how to explain and it, because it's, it's like, all it's, it's like all the quick best stunt work you've ever seen. It's oh, all yeah. very quick and brief, too. It's None of these shots are very long, but they really called out to me. They well, it really was so stood quick, out. and a testament to that, watching it from someone who had seen it before, yes. sitting next to someone who hadn't, when it went to that overhead shot, you very distinctly we're like that is a cool show whoa yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as she like plugged him with the thing yep. it was like you were impressed by how cool the shot was yep. unaware of how cool it was about to be yes, like it that got is, even cooler it ramped up and it was like really well edited too it was just it was a really great little piece of filmmaking oh, i was yeah. very impressed by it and that's another one that to me speaks to uh seeking value where it's just we got this wrestler yep let's tuck and roll bro you are a wrestler in my yep. movie let's make this happen throw you through some glass throw you down a mountain exactly when i was when i was at comic-con they had a q a with john carpenter mm-hmm. and one of the things that was like a theme for him was just like you know it's my job to come in quick and under budget and someone asked him they said are you a fledgling musician you know what is it that causes you to do your scores and he was like well i work cheap and i work quick yeah yeah and at the end of the day, when you got to make a movie and you need to score it, yeah, you can hire a band. You can screen this movie for them while they bang out a script. Or you can take the movie you're super familiar with yourself, plunk around on a keyboard, and go good enough. Yep. And then, boom, you've created the Halloween theme, and it's iconic. It's an iconic masterpiece. Yeah. But like his, his whole thing is just, movie needed a score, had to put a score in it. Yep. And so I can totally see where it's just like, we got this wrestler. 
you know, he's not an actor, but he can do a lot of cool things for us. And if we work them into the narrative, you and me, Frankie Armitage, if you if you and me can work that into the narrative, let's just milk it. Yeah. You know, let's let's just I mean, do it. I'll be honest with you, looking at this movie compared to some of his other movies, this looks even cheaper than some of his other stuff. Oh, this yeah. movie looks like he did not get a lot of money to tell this story, and he really made the most of it. He didn't need the money. Yeah. The story, you know, works. Yep. The, uh, for a movie that, in my head, if I close my eyes, I picture a ton of special effects. Mm-hmm. There are none. No. You know, it's Dude, it's all just camera are trickery. Fucking matte paintings filmed in black and white. Yeah, yeah, rubber masks. Some people yeah. filmed in black and white. It's really basic. There's a couple squibs. Yep. That's it. Uh, okay, so let's talk about we, we you mentioned this. They do one where uh, the villains have a watch. Oh yeah, yeah. That when you press a button. It opens up a portal and can transport you wherever. Yep. So Keith David has this watch. He's frustrated with it, throws it to the ground, and of course this activates the portal. But the way that they show it is you see the watch. It's got little lightning bolts on it, yep. so you know that something's happening. Cut away to their reaction or to the action that's happening around them. You see a flash, and we cut back to where the watch was. There's just a very practical neon-lit hole in the floor. Yep. And by all accounts, portal, bro. when I look at it, I picture it in my head as this digital creation from uh-huh. computers that looks real, but no, it was just, it was like the original Tron. It was just someone put some black lights on it and threw the thing in there. Camera triggery. Costs nothing. Movie magic, baby. But when I picture it in my head, I don't picture a hole in a set piece. Nope. I picture a portal zapping open yep. and them jumping through. And, and the way they do that, they jump through, they show them hitting the ground, and then the camera just pans up to where the hole should have been, and it's not there. Because there so never was a hole. In our brain, <laughs> we just, we picture it animatedly closing yep. and sealing up like super science magic. Yep. No? Nope. No, we just filmed the tunnel from down and up you yep. know it's it awesome it, it, it like I, I feel like it's so i don't know in a world where everybody's making shit on youtube you know what i mean that like, is awesome. like everybody's making their own little movies on youtube and short films and stuff it's like go watch some fucking john carpenter movies like oh, go yeah. back and watch some of these guys make movies in the 60s 70s and 80s without a budget and and watch how they figured out how to make your brain think something it it was think it was seeing something it wasn't mm-hmm. because you could use that trick now on YouTube and with the with just having a a, a laptop and a couple effects on oh, there yeah. like make something infinitely better than John Carpenter ever made. You just got to be creative about yeah. it. Yeah, it's wild. It's and it, it goes back to what we said before about uh, and I think it was when we were talking about the thing about how you know back in the day it was just like there was two ways to do it. Either don't show it and make it seem like it happened, right. or make it happen and film it. Yep. Nowadays, it's just film anything and we'll just paint whatever we want to have happened mm-hmm. over it, and that you know it looks real. Sure. It looks, but it's not effective by Real-ish, any means. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it might look more photo real, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. Exactly. At the end of the day, it just doesn't. There's no reality. To and it. so with with John Carpenter, it either exists and they made it look good and filmed it. Or it doesn't exist, and they just tricked you into believing it happened, and yep. you missed it. You yep. know, or like not not even you missed it. Just it gives you enough to paint the picture in your head. Yep. And the budget for special effects in my brain is unending. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's there's there's a cast of millions. There's just <laughs> anything you want, and that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I don't need to see it, but if you can come up with a way to organically make me see it myself, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have to give me this awesome portal effect. Right. But when I picture that in my head, it's badass. Yeah. And I feel like I did none of the heavy lifting when right. I'm doing all of it. Yeah. That is some movie magic through oh and through. Oh my god. Uh, he, yeah, he is like so good at that. I mean, because that's the thing. You can go look at a movie like The Thing, where it's like, okay, he had some money there, right? Like those. Uh, um, alien effects are, oh, yeah. are certainly cost some money. Now you got to think the rest of the movie really doesn't. Doesn't. It's a couple like just 
differently arranged set pieces mm-hmm. being repeated as different rooms. For sure. Yeah. But the, I'm sure that those puppets, you know, I mean, they're, they're still uh, probably cheaper overall than some things we do now. But I'm sure that was some, for John Carpenter, I bet that was a pretty big budget movie. Well, oh, I'll absolutely. put it that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, here's a movie where, like, I think he's doing. He's being just as effective as a filmmaker, and it it must cost a fraction of that movie. Mm-hmm. It had to have. Let's find out. I I would be so curious actually, because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. I I I don't know that for sure. I just I wonder if my view of the thing just has the rose colored lenses, right? Because like it in my head, I picture it as high budget. Yeah, but at the same time, like it might not be. And I've just been watching digital transfers uh-huh. that look good. Uh-huh. So let's find out. I just I feel like you don't. You know, you don't get a bunch of huge puppets like that cheaply. Uh, well, you might get them cheap, but certainly not cheaper than not having those things oh, yeah. in your movie. Rubber masks are very you know? cheap. Yeah. Um, ooh, excuse me. Uh, the other thing that I liked about this movie was Keith David, by the way. Oh, he's great. He's like so. He's I, wonderful. I, through, I through. don't see him in enough movies. I feel like, and I know he's in like every movie. All right. So the budget for They Live. You want to take a uh, guess? Uh, under ten million. It's three million. Okay, made thirteen million. So by all by all accounts, a decent financial yep. success. Um. So then, what was the other one I'm looking up? The thing. Uh, the thing. I'm gonna bet it's between five and ten. I bet it's it's definitely more than three. Between fifteen five million. Fifteen, huh? But here's the thing: box office nineteen point six. There you million. go. So they live is actually a technically more success, successful, and that's yep. why John Carpenter continued to get work. Yep. But yeah, there you go. 15 mil. Yeah. Uh, and the thing was 82. So this was six years prior. So this was actually probably still when he got a big budget pop off of mm-hmm. Halloween. Because mm-hmm. I think until Blair Witch Project, Halloween was the uh, highest grossing independent horror movie of all time. Interesting. And I think adjusted for inflation, I'm not sure it might still just be the highest grossing mm-hmm. independent movie. Mm-hmm. That that one's a tougher stat to... to uh, quantify just because the definition of independent movie has changed i know yeah so it's you know because that one was just made outside of a studio right is yeah, that yeah. all the all that really means well, nowadays in that case? you go like oh warner brothers independent and right. it's like okay yeah, it's, it's independent warner brothers but, you know, yeah 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 like miramax movies are technically independent but harvey weinstein has his dick in hollywood's mouth so it's like yeah you know it's it, it could be anything i know i know and it, well, I I guess what you could say for I don't know why we're getting into, why we're gonna get into this why not but uh what you could say for Miramax is it at least at a time they were not funding the production of movies oh, they, they were, were purchasing, purchasing movies, movies yes and and distributing them absolutely uh, now I, I don't know if that's still the case maybe they are an yeah actual I actually production honestly don't know now. enough to even talk shit on Harvey Weinstein I'm just being fashionable uh, well <laughs> no, to your point though he's got a bunch of money to buy probably. Fairly well produced, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but some movies that maybe and were he has fairly well produced. Enough money to buy them, and enough money to buy them, and say, "Listen, I'll put it out, but I'm going to tinker with it." Yeah, you know, yep. like a lot of studios do that, and yep. so like, a lot of independent studios do play that card. Yeah, and as an independent filmmaker, like that is still just yeah, fucking put out my movie. Because in my head, I'm going back to like you know, Clerks and 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 Reservoir Dogs, like things that he bought early yeah, yeah, in yeah. his career as a, as a producer, where it's like, yeah, those were independent movies. Those were like guys charging credit cards, making movies, and then he buys them, and they become a hit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas today, he is putting that money into things like Snowpiercer, which yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an argument for that being an independent movie. That seems like it had to have been funded by someone somewhere, Probably. right? Probably. I mean, I mean, that's that's a foreign movie. Right. So, like, yeah, technically it's outside of the Hollywood system. Right, right, right. But that's what I mean. Well, actually, like, no, it's not a foreign movie. It is an American movie. 
Um, but from a foreign director, I, I actually don't. You know, why am I talking? I don't really know. I th- I think the 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 reason I bring it up is I don't think their situation has changed. I think it's still them buying a movie, right? They're still just buying a produced movie yeah, and yeah. selling it. However, I don't. I I w- I doubt that Snowpiercer would be considered an independent movie in the same way Clerks or Reservoir oh, Dogs. Oh, of course been not. Considered yeah, absolutely, movie. absolutely. And like, and still to this day, like, uh, when I look at something like, okay, uh, like Django Unchained. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that as that being part of Quentin Tarantino's own production studio. That's an independent movie. Man, you might be right. But at the same time, it opens on Christmas and is huge. Yes. You know, because any studio that doesn't buy that is is an asshole. And, uh, I mean, if we really want to get into the nitty-gritty of what independent means and how that kind of stuff works, it's like, well, where is a band apart getting the money to make oh, yeah. Django Unchained? Right? That's it's really a where itself, it lies. You know, yeah, and it's, it's like... Independent means nothing anymore. Right, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it really doesn't mean yeah. anything. But at the same time, the independent film music, uh, music movement, yeah. the as it is like to truly to be defined as independent, is in a glorified state right now. Yeah. Because to me, if I make a movie and it costs me, you know, thirty grand, I make a movie and you know, a studio's like, oh, we want to put that out in the theater, but then for much cheaper, someone's like, we're going to put that on video on demand and get a push. We're in a system now where, like, it's it might be a better idea for me to do the video on demand and just fund a better film next time. One hundred percent, I think, uh, because I mean, listen, I I think um, it costs money to put them in theaters. I was put something on demand costs nothing. Like him or hate him or the way he went about doing it, he made this point and he made it well. Kevin Smith made a big fucking point that it is expensive to sell a movie. It absolutely is. When you decide you're going to mark, when you decide a a studio is going to buy your movie and thus market the movie, your budget goes from maybe it costs you, let's let's just put a number on it, $10 million to make that movie. It's now a $50 million movie. They're going to spend way more than you spent making the movie to market the movie. Absolutely. Whereas you could sell it to Netflix and what marketing? Oh, yeah, it it's, markets on, itself. it's on the front page as and soon Netflix as it gets is added. Amazing, because it's oh. on the front page. Ten people watch it. Twenty people watch it. Hundred, and yep. then everyone sees it. Yep. I mean, Snowpiercer. I sought that out because I, I did had too. Read I went about to see it in theaters. But I know a lot of people that didn't have any clue of it. No. It popped up on Netflix, so that Everybody's people like you it. and me that hunted it down. Yep. We're like, oh, you should check you should that check out. Check it out. It's on Netflix. And then suddenly now it's this well-regarded huge movie. Yep. And it's, you know, and that's a movie that could have easily just disappeared. Yeah. And a lot of movies disappear it's, on Netflix. But the the change of distribution models is totally changing who gets to make awesome movies thing. when and why. You know, it's, that was the big, uh, I mean, when Napster first came out, one of the, uh, there was a big battle. Like, you know, there's bands that supported it and right. bands that didn't. And uh, The Offspring was very big pro-Napster. Yeah, I remember that. And one of their reasons was, like, and I forget who said it, but it was something along the lines of, like, if my friend asks if he can try on my shirt, and I say, yeah, try on this shirt, and he likes how it looks, he's going to buy that shirt. Yeah. You know, but if he's like, oh, I like that shirt, and he never gets to try it on, he may never even hunt down that shirt. Right. And so at the end of the day, it's like... You know, and, and then, you know, it, it is a good business model, but there is the whole, like, you are stealing intellectual property. 100%. That is 100% that. 100%. Uh, so the question is, though, and it's very big in music, one of the things that I, as much as I go, okay, it's wrong to pirate music, and I do it sometimes anyway. Uh, not anymore, Spotify. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as, as wrong as that is and all of that, there's something strange that happened. If you're an artist now and you want to make money... You'd better go on tour. Mm-hmm. You better put on a great show. 
And that, to me, like back in the day before the music business, that was how you made money as a musician was you went on tour. And so if musicians are to be believed, there was only a very small window of time during which that wasn't the case, actually. Oh, yeah. It, you uh, even some bands that you and I would regard as like some of the biggest bands ever. And probably if you looked up the numbers of albums, they've sold their way oh, above yeah. most other bands. Doesn't mean they got that money. I, they probably didn't actually get that much uh, money except from when they were touring. You want money tour. And like the, what I always say is if I download one of your songs and it sucks. I'm not going to buy your album. So as wrong as it is for me to have stolen your song, I am in a weird, dishonest way enforcing higher quality music. Right. And so nowadays, it's it's uh, it, anymore you have to speak with your dollar. Yeah. And so for for a, uh, I wonder how movie pirating has caused the quality shift. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it's in a way it's been positive. Whereas now movies that go there was a stigma like oh it went straight to DVD. Yeah, that doesn't mean shit now. No, it doesn't. Great not. movies go straight yeah. to on demand. And then, you know, shitty movies go to the theater. And so the quality shift is there. Like, I go and watch, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I on-demanded, uh, what's it called, Open Windows. Right, yeah. And there is a movie that I would totally watch in the theater. Me too. But, you know, bought it on demand for like five, six bucks and looked at it. It looked great. Mm -hmm. And the quality of it was like theatrical stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I go watch American Sniper, and they can't even afford a real baby, <laughs> you know. And so I think that that speaks, at least in some way, to the idea that the model is skewed. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need a studio to get budget for your movie. You don't need a studio to get release for your movie. It's just there's a new way to do it now. Is it the only way? No, you can do it anyway. But that's cool. Yeah. You know, the fact that 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 we pirate things, while it is wrong, at the end of the day, there is an enforcing of just like we're in a position now where. If you're if you're if your art is not quality, you're not going to make any money off of it. Yeah. So like we're enforcing the quality of the art. Now I keep saying it is wrong to steal media. It is wrong. It's a crime I and it's, it's morally wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like if you make a shitty album and people download it, no one's going to buy it. But nine times out of ten, when the when uh, Jack White puts out an album and I download it and I like it, I go buy it. You mm -hmm. know, like even though I have it, I go buy it because I want people want to support good art. And because we're in a position where we can get all art for free, if mm -hmm. we're that, you know, if we're if that's where we are morally, mm -hmm. it's got to be good. Yeah. So in a weird way, we're enforcing quality. It's wild. It is weird. I, I think more what you're speaking to is just this sort of like, um, you know, so the unfortunate truth is people are stealing art right now. It's like maybe rather than talk about it as like, uh, hey, it's the wrong way to do it, but we are enforcing quality. Maybe the better way to talk about it is like, in a world where people are stealing art and that's like that's just a thing that's happening a consequence of that oh, regardless yeah. is you got to produce you you just have to produce Better higher quality work if you if you want it to get seen in any sort of meaningful way that's the know? way to put it yeah. yeah and and that's the thing and it's it's not the method is not correct right right it's not at all and i and i don't stand by it and i do participate yeah, sometimes that's the important you know? thing is like let's try and condemn it if we can but like it, you're saying and i agree with you it's important to recognize like an important consequence of that, something that has happened, is you got to make higher quality gotta art make if you want good. to have any kind of meaningful impact. I can I can count on hands and toes how many times I've put on some stupid Netflix movie that someone made that they didn't expect to be seen by anybody, and I was like, that was fucking good. Yeah, you know, and and now, now I've seen it, and, yep. and just the whole thing is that quality is no longer limited to the theatrical exactly. experience. Yep. And so, if you really want to put asses in seats, make it good. 
if you really want to sell your movie on 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 demand, make it good or just market it well. <laughs> now here is a, a just a flip side of that coin sure. really quick, which is there could there I'm I would not make this argument, but I think there might be people that would make the argument that because uh, you just said like, hey, if you want it to be seen on that big screen, you got to make sure it's good. The argument could be made that because everybody's stealing everything, th- the studios that can put things on the big screen are scrambling to figure out oh, what yeah. will make money on that big screen and actually making worse things. Putting fake babies go, in prestige pictures. That go yeah. on the big screen, right? In reality, the real quality stuff is now not on the big screen because we've fucking stolen it all. Oh, and yeah. So they're scrambling to figure out what do we put up there and anything they scramble to try and put up there is dog shit. Absolutely. And, and so there's an argument too, to be say that there's that's actually also a part of the process. Of the, you right. put enough dog shit up there and then you hit something gold. Now, you know, true. true. You know, and yeah. no, but it, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The, the whole thing is a gray area yeah. that, that moral, there's just moral bankruptcy going on yes. all around, which is what they live is all about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It really is. I it mean, is. it's it's interesting that we got here, yeah. uh, you know, uh, talking about this. But it truly is. That is what the movie is about. It's oh, like yeah. we, the world is just every, you know, R- Roddy. The Rep- machine has to keep running. Roddy Piper's yeah. character feels like he's like a man out of place. Mm-hmm. He exists in a world where like it just seems like everything around him is well, sort of fucked. He suddenly exists in that right. world because at the beginning of the movie, his first thing is like, I do my job, pay my taxes. Yep. You know, I just let the system work and uh, whatever joy I can squeeze out of it, I will do. Yep. Boom. And. Honestly, that's that's been my outlook for a long time, mm. and it just for peace of mind or for my own sake. Yeah. You know, are there things that I think uh, should be fought up against? Oh my God, you mm-hmm. want me to do it alphabetically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't have the time or the energy right. because I got to eat, and I, I need my peace. Yep. And everyone's seeking that peace, and the the sad thing is, is you got to be a cog in the machine. You know, it's wild. Yeah. It's uh man, this was a uh, I <laughs> yeah, right? really we enjoyed this episode. Deep. We really got into something good here. Uh, I would let's, say let's John Carpenter's rolling over in his grave, but I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I think he's still. I hope no, he's still. Alive. I know he's still alive at least as far, unless he died during the course yeah. of this. Um, let's look up some negative reviews. Yeah, uh, actually, let's look up how they they live does on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I don't you even know. Take a guess. I, I'm not there yet. I'm typing in the website. Uh, right <sighs> I want to put it in the 80s based on the fact that I know most people I've ever talked to seem to really like this movie. Mm-hmm. That being said, I could see this being a movie that wasn't well-reviewed at the time. Mm-hmm. That being said, Rotten Tomatoes isn't about thing, you know, the way things were reviewed at the time. So do I meet myself in the middle there? 75. 75? All right. I'm going to do... <sighs> I was going to do 75. Let's go Price is Right. I'm going to go 76. Do it. And I'm going to take it because it's 82. 82. So that's about that's what great. we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, you totally know what? And I think different. that is actually, that might be one of the uh, most precise Rotten Tomato scores I've ever seen. That might be exactly what I would give that movie based on the movie I just oh, saw. Oh, yeah. It is, uh, how did I get to 22 Jump Street? There we go. <laughs> uh, so so in a world where it's a, uh, 82%, let's find some negative negative reviews of uh, of They Live. I'd like to hear some actually, conflicting this is, opinions. Actually, this is a, a positive review that I really like. It just oh, pops right it. up. Um, here we go. Behold the message as articulated by John Carpenter's sublime sci-fi opus. I'm giving you a choice. Either put on the glasses or start eating that trash can. Oh, wow. Great. All right. Let's see. Uh, Here's a negative one, but it's actually kind of it's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. As a movie, They Live is lethargic. As election propaganda, it's terrific. Uh, uh, 
No, I I mean I agree with the second half of that, yeah. and I disagree with the first half. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I don't I, I don't see it being lethargic. I, I I could maybe see an argument for like I wish they would have got into it a little quicker. The beginning maybe takes a little while. And I don't, I could see that argument, but I don't. Think I don't. I, agree I don't. With it. Yeah. I don't get on board with it. For um, a mo- I mean, that was what 90, 90 minutes. Yeah, on the I mean that I was mean, a that tight was movie, tight. man. Yeah. Uh. But I. But to, so to try and be I fair, it, yeah. I could see that argument. Uh, that being said, once you get to that point, it's like I think that movie fucking rocks. Oh, it's that was quick. Yeah. I, that's like a blink of an eye. Here's a negative one. Uh, too bad director John Carpenter doesn't match this tantalizing premise with snappy, thoughtful filmmaking. Long mm. stretches of the movie are trite and silly. Mm. Well, that's just one of those where it's like, oh, the reason they dislike it is the reason I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's just, well, you just are not on board for the way John Carpenter wants to tell this story, essentially. Here's an interesting one that I don't necessarily disagree with. But once again, whereas they see it as a mark against the movie, I see it as a mm-hmm. benefit. But uh, <clears throat> the black and white visuals disturb for only so long. And while themes of indoctrination and conspiracy prove initially intriguing, the film quickly descends into fistfights and gunfire. Uh, that is actually a very interesting commentary on it. Because it is, I mean, they're not wrong, right? They're like that, wrong. There's nothing inaccurate But the argument in is there. like where it's like, okay, once we get the message, what do we got? Give me some fistfights and gunfire, you know? It's what you and I were just saying. It's like, why? It's still a movie. I should still be entertained by it and be able exactly. to grab a drink with my friends and enjoy it. But it's all the better for actually trying to tell me something too, right? Wait a minute. Here's a review that I hate. Okay. Because I agree with it, but for what it's saying, if that makes sense. Okay. They Live is an excellent Carpenter film if you can get through the fight scene. What? 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 (laughs) Shut up. Oh, my God. Yeah, that fight scene is like, oh, why would that be a complaint? It's the best part. I would watch a movie called Just the Fight Scene from They Live. Um, This is a weird review that I don't... This is New York Times. Credibility isn't the problem with John Carpenter's They Live, but execution is. (laughs) I don't even want to justify that with anything. That's... Very unfortunate. This is great. This is the best review ever. This is the Washington Post. Uh, This is from 2000, so it's a modern one. The plot for They Live is full of black holes. The acting is wretched. The effects are second rate. (laughs) And this reviewer didn't know what the fuck he was getting into. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, That's funny. I love it. The effects are second rate. There aren't any. (laughs) I was going to say, what's funny about that is I don't even necessarily disagree with any of what he said there. I just still wouldn't say that like those are... I don't condemn it for it. Yeah, those are not marks against this movie. The wretched acting is part of the fun. Yeah. You know, it doesn't lose its message because the acting... No, and I I think, again, it's like, sure... uh, uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is not the best actor in the world, but he is at least cast well enough, right? Like they He's better than the Hulk ever was. They, I hate to they say, they make it. sure the character plays into the just the kind of you know they character gave him he's going to exactly play. as much to do as he was yeah. capable of doing. Yeah. He was perfect. I like this. This one's actually really funny. Um, uh, and, and it's another one where it's like I I kind of agree, but and they gave it a positive review. Uh, and I, I do kind of agree with the sentiment here. In spite of the fact that there was only about 30 minutes worth of story here, it's a good story. Uh, yeah. I'm totally I mean, there really is only 30 minutes yeah. worth of story. I'm glad that the remaining 60 minutes are filled with chest exploding <laughs> yes. and, and gunshots and stuff. Oh, uh, man. I love this flick. It's, this was it's, really enjoyable. It's truly timeless. It's... It's truly timeless. It's effective, but at the very end of the day, like it's it's just a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. No matter what you feel, I mean, you could bounce on either side of any issue because this is so broad. Yeah, yeah, and still just be entertained by it. 100%. You could be an idiot that has no idea of how to relate an issue to it and just be like, "Cool movie, bro!" Yeah, and that's that's enough. And I think, I mean, 
this will be the last thing I say about it since I'm ranting over here. That's fine. At the at the end of the day, I love the idea that this is a message movie where the message is second. Yeah. When the mm-hmm. message is first, you end up with a hammy movie. Yeah. When the movie's first, you end up with an entertaining device through which a message may or may not get through. Yeah. And when it's more entertaining, it will. You know, if you you can feed someone poison if you're tickling them. You know, it's yeah. it's it's just a, a it's a mess. It's a, a means to get it in. You know. Medicine can taste good. Yeah, it's it's okay. I my I feel like my final thing on this is just gonna be like I really think like if you want to get a good idea of what I mean when I say movie movie, spot on. Watch this or or really any John Carpenter like watch some John Carpenter movies, and that is where my head is at when I'm talking movie movies. When I'm talking like movies that exist like they could only exist as movies, right? Absolutely. Like, that again, we're talking about something that was based on a story too. Uh, but like it just yeah. It but is, I mean that was a short story. Yes. It's, this is so necessitates being a movie. It's so it you, or it uses everything at its disposal to be this movie. Absolutely, Carpenter's the king of that. Oh, what absolutely. do I have at my disposal? How do I make it a movie? Mm-hmm. It's it's a uh, uh, he's he, oh now I'm drunk. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the the whole idea of uh, I guess yeah, using what you have to yeah. to to make a movie out of it, but. I think that it's it's a movie movie simply because it it's it's not really trying to be anything but an, a piece of entertainment. Yeah, and it, I, I'm just reiterating <laughs> the rest of it is is you it's get bubblegum baby. Yep, it is bubblegum, and kick it's kicking ass. ass. Yeah. So I I don't know I feel like we've said everything about we have let's let's wrap this up to it. find us but, on um, Twitter at Philadelphia with an F find us on Facebook at, well no find me on Twitter yeah you're on Twitter we're at movie movie uh, we're at uh, I like two movie uh, we're on Facebook.com slash I like two movie we uh, I think are are getting like much more active on both of those pages so please follow along find us on iTunes give us a rating drop us some comments I check in on those from time to time they don't exist yet so make them exist so we can talk about them sometime on the Absolutely. show send us your recommendations no one's done that yet tweet us give us a recommendation we'd love to talk about something you want to hear us talk about mm-hmm. uh, and come to movie movie live february 12th uh double feature with curses we are talking about oscar nominated movies it's gonna be fun cool cool, cool. you can find me on twitter at dan scully you should log on to www.supercrappyfuntime.com to uh link to a lot of the stuff i do and to the other podcasts that i run um most of the things that i that i create are linked through my blog uh thedanscully.tumblr.com uh, that's where I link to all of the websites I write for and shit like that anything I do ends up getting put up there but uh, check out Cinadelphia I've been doing a lot of film writing for them so you want to read some reviews go up there and be active on the comments everybody acts everybody responds on my Facebook when I post stuff go to the website and do some comments I want to try and beef that up and uh, make a culture out of it so yeah uh, yeah all that shit guys Word. I love you this <laughs> is amazing um, uh, I want to know what uh, it is Oscar catch-up season, but uh-huh. the movie I want to recommend is not of that ilk. Oh, I mean, I, I want to recommend a movie that I was just like floored by the other day, and you can access it right now. It is on Netflix. You got to check out The Quick and the Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, it is Sam Raimi doing a Western, and it's a Western that stars, get ready, <gasps> Russell Crowe, Sharon Stone, Gary Sinise, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman. It's it's insane and it's it's crazy and it's a movie movie. It's a western done by Sam Raimi and if you know what that means, you know exactly what to expect. <laughs> and uh, just and even if you don't know what to expect, I mean it's just a fucking cool movie. It's lean, it's mean, it's a dueling contest in an old west town. Yeah. That's it. That you know awesome it's, it's, and it's funny, it's violent. 
And honestly, even being funny and violent, I'd actually say that it could probably play as a family film. <laughs> you know, it, there's nothing in it that I would feel uncomfortable showing a kid that's, un- that's, you know, as long as they're over the age of like nine, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with it. It's a cool flick. That's funny because the thing I'm going to recommend, I just realized has some similarities with that. The, the Something I watched recently that has been recommended to me a few times was Ip Man. Oh, yeah. Ip Man. Ip Man. Uh, with uh, Donnie, Donnie Yen, is that how you say his name, mm-hmm. I think? Uh, who I've never seen Donnie Yen in a movie before. Uh, Actually, I, you may have seen him just in a costume as the guy fighting the good guy a million times. Donnie Yen's one of those people like Ray Park. Oh, okay. Who's just like, you need the hero to fight someone who knows how to fight. He'll be the guy who knows how to fight and fall. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was, it Man is, is very, impre- very impressive because it feels like an older, it feels like an old kung fu movie. It's like in the mm-hmm. tradition of like, it's a, a romance, it's a comedy, it's an action movie, it's a, 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 a history movie. It's a, you know, it's just like those old kung fu movies are like so many things at oh, once. Yeah. Uh, and it's good at doing that, but it does this great thing that I just did not expect. And, and I, I, I'm only going to tell you about this because I think it will hook you into the movie in a way that I'm, I don't think... I would have been hooked into watching this. I was hooked into it because they were like, oh, it's good fight scenes. Right. And then I just left it on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so this like, is a good movie. It, <laughs> if that doesn't hook you, just the promise of great fight scenes, which does hook me up. The fight choreography in this is incredible. Unreal. That doesn't hook you. What I thought was so interesting about this movie was it does start as this very light story about a town that fights, just like Quick and the Dead, right? It's a town that fights. It's a town of fighters. That's what they do. They just fight. Uh, but it's a pretty light story overall. About halfway through the movie... It just goes like, oh, by the way, history lesson. At some point in China, they were taken over and all their lives turned to shit. Mm. And then this man who was just like an entertaining guy that knew how to fight well actually had to fight for something. Oh, yeah. And it turns into a very interesting drama from being a pretty lighthearted movie for the first like 30, 40 minutes. It's very, very interesting. I was very, very... The movie was just surprising and cool. To relate that to what we were talking about with John Carpenter before we yeah. go, when you think about Hong Kong Kung Fu cinema, yeah, all those ever were until you know maybe the last 20 years, you know, until the Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee came mm-hmm. to America was... We've got these guys who know how to do some stunts. Let's build a movie around right. it. You know, we, we got these guys who can make fighting look cool. But let's just add some stakes to the fight and build mm-hmm. a movie around it. And Ip Man really succeeds in capturing that, but also being like, no, this was actually a movie first, and we right. just happen to have the fight scenes. Like, because it was, but uh-huh. it captures that that aesthetic of we got these great stunt workers, but no one's just gonna show up to watch fights. So let's just you know, it's yeah. it's like putting the you know, the pizza guy in the porno. It's like, right, yeah, right. people just wanna watch them fuck, but you know, at least as porno used to be, you know, pre, pre the internet, yeah. let's give them something. Yeah. And so that that's cool for the natural progression yeah. of that too, to maintain that old style look. Yeah. But also just be like, no, they wrote a script here. You yeah. Know? Like it, they totally and that's the thing. Script. That's why I, I wanted to sort of reveal that that's a thing that happens in the movie only because that I, if somebody had told me that I probably would have watched it really quickly. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like it, it, it has a really... I know, that's not a spoiler by any... No, it's not. It, it has a really cool hook that, that's much more interesting than you'd expect out of what is essentially just like a cool fighting movie, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so I would definitely recommend It Man. It's on Netflix right now. Boom. Um, I would say you can watch It Man, watch It Man 2, but when you get to 3, maybe stop. Okay. Uh, 3 falls apart. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, And then I believe there's a fourth one that I just heard garbage about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same with Ong Bak. One yeah, and two. Go yep, with it. Yep. <laughs> I, I would agree with the assessment of Ong Bak. Anyway, yeah. I've seen both of those. Um 
All right, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, Close that's uh, that's our thing. Uh, I'm gonna start it this time. Do My it. name's Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. And we, we all, all know, know that, that you like, like to movie movie, movie because, because we like to movie. movie.